This is Missing Peter Zosky in Prince George, broadcasting on CFUR 88.7, and I'm your host, Stuart Parker. Today is Monday, the 28th of June, 2021, and you are listening to the last broadcast of Missing Peter Zosky in Prince George. Uh, I had planned to change the show's format uh, in September, uh, in time for the new school year and when some of my panelists are uh, taking time off, but that date has been moved up. And I'd like to take a few minutes to tell you why. Following my panel with uh, the four Green Party representatives last week, uh, a campaign of harassment uh, was initiated against each of the panelists by Nicholas Sperling and her allies. Nicholas Sperling, you may remember as the transgender rights activist who um, was successful in uh, getting the Eco-Socialist Party to request my resignation last fall, Uh, ultimately leading to the destruction of the party. Uh, Well, Once again, seeing the Greens under threat, uh, Nicholas Sperling has uh, come up with a new argument that any person who appears on my show uh, is a transphobe. She believes that that's because I am transphobic because I had an argument with her last year in which I suggested that Judy Graves the Vancouver housing activist she had accused of transphobia was not in fact transphobic. So naturally in McCarthyism, I don't use the term cancel culture because this is just garden variety McCarthyism. The worst thing you can do is stand up for someone and refuse to denounce them. And uh, so each, uh, so every Green Party member who has appeared on my show uh, was asked to denounce me and um, refuse to come on the show again. Apparently, the Green Party has no problem going on Mike Smith's show, despite the fact that he's a climate denialist, uh, pro-cop, pro-oil, pro-fracking. But the Green Party doesn't care about fracking. If they did, they wouldn't have voted to increase it by 22% in last year's BC budget. Obviously, the Green Party has better things to do with its time, like looting and uh, trying to get itself uh, taken off the air. So... I don't want to put any of those panelists in a difficult spot, so I announced that I would ban the Green Party from my show. I would not cover it, and I would not interview its members, thereby not forcing individuals 
into the choice of publicly denouncing me or losing their position in the Green Party. Sadly, uh, that declaration was insufficient. Two members of the panel did publicly denounce me and state that, uh, and in the case of Darcy Lanthier, uh, state that I had made transphobic comments on the air during the interview, during that panel, and that she had corrected me. She had stood up against my transphobia during the show. So, a word about this. In 1996, um, I was the leader of the Green Party of British Columbia, um, and uh, the party was contesting the municipal elections, the 1996 municipal elections in Vancouver. The first trans candidate for a mainstream party in Canadian history, Jamie Lee Hamilton, um was uh, a member of an opposing party's slate. Uh, but following some interactions with uh, other members of her slate, she felt that the Coalition of Progressive Electors uh, was a transphobic organization, and she left their slate. Uh, I learned a lot from Jamie Lee Hamilton. I had a number of meetings with her, and... I chose to endorse her candidacy and bring the full weight of the Green Party behind her bid to join Vancouver City Council, a bid, sadly, that she narrowly lost. Uh, following that, uh, the Green Party consistently sent representatives uh, to um, all of Jamie Lee's events supporting transgender rights and um, I began working to make that an important part of the party's platform. I have endorsed a number of transgender candidates over the years uh, in both uh, Vancouver and Toronto. I worked with Jamie Lee Hamilton for transgender rights in Vancouver. Uh, I was a big supporter of Nina Arsenault, the uh, leader of the trans rights uh, activist community in Toronto when I lived there. For a generation, for 25 years, I have been a stalwart supporter of the rights of transgender people to be supported in the ways they need in our medical system, to be supported in the ways that they need in uh, acquiring new identification, and in prohibiting discrimination against trans people in any context. I am proud of my work in that area. And so naturally, in that uh, endeavor, I became aware of Judy Graves, a uh, longtime trans rights supporter and activist for housing in Vancouver, sticking up for homeless people. Now, Judy and her friend Maureen Bork um, had um, uh, been doing some activism around protecting uh, Rape Relief Women's Shelter which a new generation of trans activists have targeted for defunding. Uh, and 
Uh, Judy Graves also, along with her friend Maureen, spoke out against the tens of thousands of rape and murder threats that J.K. Rowling received following her declaration that she believed in both the equality of transgender people and in the right of women to create single-sex spaces like the Rape Relief Women's Shelter. So I advised uh, Nicholas Sperling that Judy Graves is a longtime trans rights supporter, and indeed, um, Judy had provided uh, the vast majority of the palliative care for Jamie Lee Hamilton, really the modern founder of the trans rights movement in Vancouver, prior to Jamie Lee's death last year. I felt that it was unfair that Nicola was targeting Judy and Maureen for cancellation. And so I spoke up for them. And uh, what happens in McCarthyism, of course, is that the worst thing you can do is say that someone else isn't guilty. In McCarthyism, you have to denounce whoever the new target is, even if they are your friend. And that simply is not how I roll. It's not because my grandfather was blacklisted during McCarthyism. It's something much more basic than that, which is that you stick up for good people, you stick up for your friends, and you stick up for the elders of a social movement. But unfortunately, the trans rights movement has taken an ugly turn in this province. There has been a massive shift in the movement's leadership largely not due to changes in the grassroots opinion of regular trans folks, but because of the arrival of significant amounts of money from the pharmaceutical industry uh, and uh, Jennifer Pritzker's foundations. Uh, these new activists, it appears, don't see feminists as their allies. Uh, they don't see women as another group subject to men's violence who also deserve protection from that violence and also deserve spaces that are their own. Uh, but I actually don't think this is about ideas because uh, I've been watching what's been happening to Sven Robinson, right? The uh, man who was the face of gay rights in Canada in the 20th century. He too is being attacked by a new generation of activists. It's as though the most loyal and stalwart supporters of the rights of gay, lesbian, trans, and queer folks are being singled out and eliminated from these social movements. And that really concerns me. I, I think that any movement that does not honor its elders is in serious trouble. And I was very disappointed to see how little honor uh, new leaders like Morgan Auger uh, accorded Jamie Lee Hamilton when she died, uh, a trans woman on whose shoulders they stand. So uh, having been denounced by two panelists, one of whom I had considered a personal friend, and having been publicly lied about, 
And having had my show sabotaged, I am moving up the date of my format change. Starting next week, a new show will occupy this time slot. Uh, it will be called Cocktail Hour with Stuart Parker. And what I'll be doing for the next few years is calling up my friends around the world and I'll be asking them to uh, offer a cocktail and a song. We're going to start each interview talking, uh, making our cocktails, giving you recipe information, and then we'll move on and have a much more conversational kind of show. A little closer to my conversations with Andrew Lohman and um, Derek Jensen than to my standard straight man interview format. I'll be talking a little more and I will only be talking to people I trust. I simply have no interest in um, having myself denounced again. I'm sure people will denounce me, but I don't intend to give them airtime first. So uh, I believe that uh, we have tentatively booked for the first episode of Cocktail Hour with Stuart Parker, my academic mentor, Ken Mills. Ken Mills is an extraordinary man, a Rhodes Scholar, son of a former cabinet minister, uh, and um, one of the brightest lights and smartest minds in a field we call conversion studies. Religious conversion is a complex and interesting thing. And, of course, religions are not the only things that one converts to. Conversion is a useful model for thinking about all kinds of social movements in both the past and the present. So I'm going to be interviewing Ken about uh, his academic work in conversion, and we're going to be having a conversation about conversion in the larger sense. So henceforth, this show will have a global optic. It will not platform untrustworthy individuals. And uh, it um, will be a source of cocktail recipes. So I'm afraid much of these sort of local left-wing news elements in the show are simply going to disappear. Because simply finding guests to put on the show involves me using networks of progressives in British Columbia. And honestly, trying to do anything with or through progressives in British Columbia in this day and fucking age is a headache I don't need. Now, does that mean my politics are changing? Absolutely not. I continue to be motivated by the need for, uh, for socialism and for climate justice. But... I am not going to be doing any more on-the-ground parochial British Columbia material around that. 
I have had the good fortune to meet many, many fascinating people around the world. And uh, I'd like to take the time to have proper conversations with them and to uh, bring their ideas into our conversation here in Prince George and via podcast around the world. Now, I did not book any guests for this week. So for the rest of the program, uh, please sit back, enjoy some music and a little bit of archival interview material as we say goodnight to Missing Peter Zosky in Prince George, a show I have enjoyed putting on, a show from which I have learned a great deal, and a show that would not be possible without the continuing support of CFUR, a courageous, courageous station that doesn't even tell me about the attempts to get me yanked off the air. I know they get correspondence about that, and uh, they deflect that correspondence. I don't even know how they do it, but I sure am thankful that... um, This is a place where elders in a movement are tolerated and acknowledged and recognized for their long-term contribution rather than canceled over an issue of the day. You did not raise me there 
Your laws do not compel me To kneel grotesque and bare I myself am the pedestal for this ugly hump at which you stare. You who wish to conquer pain, you must learn what makes me kind the crumbs of love that you offer me they're the crumbs I've left behind your pain is no credential here it's just the shadow shadow of my by Leonard Cohen. You have been listening to the first 30 seconds of that song at the start of every show. So it seemed like as uh, this format is going to be disappearing, I should play you what the actual music is that I've been using in my show's opening and closing credits and in my station identification. So uh, next up, will be uh, Tunnels by Arcade Fire, uh, the song I've been using for the closing credits. Thank you. 
That was Tunnels by Arcade Fire, the song that I've been using for the closing credits. Uh, next up, uh, the song I have been using for my station identification break mid-program. This is Kim Stockwood's 12 Years Old from the same titled album in 1999.
That was Kim Stockwood's song, 12 Years Old, uh, part of which I've been poaching for my station identification breaks. There is the full version. And now the last of the canned music I've been using on the show. This is a real treat. Um, Lorena McKennett's first album featured uh, this uh, extraordinary William Blake poem uh, set to music. And uh, I'm a huge fan of William Blake. In many ways, I, uh, I think we are very much living in the future that William Blake warned us of. A wasted landscape of dark satanic mills and giants in chains. Uh, and uh, so I've, uh, I've always been a fan of this, and uh, this is a preamble to his uh, poem dedicated to John Milton, uh, but it's about the corruption of George III's regime and... Uh, the American Revolution that it touched off, etc. As uh, my first year university professor Jim Winter said, it wouldn't have mattered when William Blake was born, he would always have been ahead of his time. Fight in the troubled air that rages. Who can stand 
When the whirlwind of fury comes from the throne of God and the frowns of his countenance drive the nations together, who can stand? When sin claps his broad wings over the battle and sails rejoicing in a flood of death, when souls are torn to everlasting fire and fiends of hell rejoice upon the slain, oh, who can stand? this oh who can answer at the throne of God the kings and the nobles of the land have done it hear it not heaven thy ministers have done it Lorena McKennett's Lullaby, which is actually just William Blake's epistle to George III, <clears throat> set to music. Now, William Blake's favorite verse of the Bible was, Would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets. And William Blake is very much about the discovery of the prophetic voice. I have encountered such a thing once in my life uh, in a man named David Lewis, a 20th century climate change activist. Uh, the prophetic voice is a voice that cuts through all of the prohibitions that exist on certain kinds of speech in order to speak the truth. David Lewis was a person who was relentlessly marginalized and deplatformed within BC's environmental movement because he was a climate change activist. And activists working on the forestry file in the 20th century uh, were very afraid of climate activists and did not consider us to be allies. And what was extraordinary about David was that he could present himself in any situation and he would be handed a microphone because, to quote my favorite verse of the Bible, he spoke as one with authority and not one of the scribes. In authority, he drew from within himself or from some powerful force outside of him that the rest of us could not see. I remember being in his car, we were driving somewhere in downtown Vancouver and we were listening to CBC radio uh, 
1990, and David had just uh, heard something on the climate file that he found unacceptable from our national public broadcaster. So we drove to 700 Hamilton Street, where the CBC was. There was no parking. So David drove his car up the stairs, and then he presented himself at the security desk and was, to my amazement, immediately ushered up to the studio that was broadcasting live to say what he had to say. There is a thing about a prophetic voice that throws off the shackles of the discourse that prohibits certain kinds of speech. And we live in a moment where there is a cross-partisan consensus of liberals and conservatives, of progressives and conservatives, that we must rigorously police people's speech. And we have this new idea that if we say to someone, you are not who you claim to be, that is the same as having murdered them. So at this identitarian moment, there are many, many things that desperately need to be said that have been placed outside the discourse. We need prophetic voices today, and once upon a time, when David Lewis spoke for the BC Green Party, as he did on and off for 10 years, it had that prophetic voice. I was honored that he served uh, as my spokesperson in the last year I was leader, and uh, I miss that very much. We can talk about cancel culture, but there's no such thing as cancel culture. It's just McCarthyism. Uh, and the same people are doing it. Big companies, mainstream media, etc. We are relabeling all kinds of things as hate speech today that have never been hate speech before. We've labeled all kinds of asking of questions, hate speech, not even the making of statements, but to ask probing questions about the discourse. So I think we desperately need prophetic voices today in the tradition of William Blake, David Lewis. Uh, my fondest memory of David Lewis is a phone call I had with him, not about climate change, but about a dispute with a neighbor. He had learned that uh, his uh, neighbor was beating his wife. And I'll never forget the way he put it. He said, so I went over to his house and I grabbed it and I started shaking his house. And that is the sort of thing a prophetic voice permits one to do. We need people to shake our houses. We need people to speak outside the discourse. The planet is dying. It's being murdered. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the Green Party won't cancel it's MLAs that voted for three fracking increases in a row. It won't cancel its MLAs for voting for new fossil fuel subsidies three times in a row. But 
when my show discusses the possibility that the party is being looted by grifters, the hammer comes down. Because that's what the Green Party has become. It is simply a grift. It votes for the same planet-killing policies everybody else does. So, I think I'll leave you folks with uh, a Leonard Cohen song that has been my personal prayer for many years. I was once an influential person in this province. I was once able to move public opinion in ways that I cannot today. And I sure would want like one last chance to do that before all is said and done.
the storms are wild and free. There's other ways to answer. That certainly is true. Me, I'm blind with death and anger, and that's no place for you. There's a woman in the window. There's a bed in Tinsel Town. I'll write you when it's over. Let me take this temple down. You said you loved her secrets, her freedoms hid away. She was better than America. That's what I heard you say. Well, that was Samson in New Orleans by Leonard Cohen from his album Popular Problems in 2014. And now I'd like to conclude with some words about this show. This is the last episode of Missing Peter Zosky and Prince George. And in many ways, it's because the world of Peter Zosky um, is not the world of today. Peter Zosky was an extraordinary broadcaster, hosting Morningside on CBC for decades. Between nine and noon, one really felt like the country of Canada existed and that we were all in something together. And that's because of Zosky's extraordinary gentleness and imaginative empathy. While I am endowed with imaginative empathy, I'm not a gentle guy like Peter Zosky. And it's very hard for me to stop talking. But I thought it would be a good exercise in improving myself as a person to try to learn just a little bit of Peter Zosky's interviewing style. His ability to let his guest feel comfortable enough to reveal things that even they themselves did not know. Zosky's gentleness, his approachability, uh, made extraordinary radio. And trying to push myself to speak in a different way than I do has been a very rewarding effort. Uh, and I want to thank everyone who has listened to this show while I've tried to practice this new voice. I've never really got there. I'm not a Peter Zosky style interview because I'm a not a Peter Zosky sort of guy. But I sure did enjoy that political panel because I have to say 
it really did recapture the spirit of those conversations that Zosky had with Dalton Camp, Eric Kierens, and Stephen Lewis. Uh, people were honest, people were open, and I cannot abide producing another episode of that panel uh, when uh, any possible Green Party representative would be placed under extraordinary social and political pressure to publicly denounce me or to boycott the broadcast. Uh, but I'm very proud to have done something in tribute to the great Peter Zosky. He deserves tributes a lot better than this show, but we all do what we can. Thank you for listening to Missing Peter Zosky in Prince George. It has been an honor to uh, broadcast for you this past year and a half. This has been another broadcast of Missing Peter Zosky in Prince George on CFUR 88.7, co-sponsored by Los Altos Institute, L-O-S-A-L-T-O-S dot C-A. Thank you.